Hey, you're listening to the Quarry Podcast. Get ready to be encouraged and uplifted with us today. Listen, thank you for coming to the Quarry tonight. I'm going to move this just in case because I don't want to kick it over. I've got something that is really simple, but that I'm really excited to share with you tonight. It's going to be an easy listen. Are you down for an easy listen on a Wednesday? I know you guys have been at school all day. We're going to have some fun later tonight outside. But tonight I want to talk to you for just a little while on a message that's called, Who's Leading You? Who's Leading You? Because I want to bring to our attention the fact that every single one of us are being led through life by something, right? What we're being led by is determining our decisions, and it's determining our thoughts, and it's determining our choices. So it's actually really important to pay attention to what is leading us through life. Now, some of you might feel like you're just kind of wandering through life, and you're just kind of chill, and you're just kind of zoned out, and like, whatever, I'm just going through the motions every day. Even if you feel like that, you're still being led by something. You're still being led by something that is driving every move you make and every decision that you make because life is something that we have to really take hold of with both hands if we want it to go the right way. And there's too many people that I really, really love that are unhappy with their life, and it's just because of one simple thing. They're letting themselves being led by the wrong stuff. Having a successful, happy life is not hard. But it does have to be chosen. It's not difficult, and it's not impossible, and it's not out of your reach to be happy and whole and fulfilled. But you're going to have to choose it. And the way that you choose it is by choosing what leads you. So that's what I want to talk about tonight. Out of Romans 8.14 in the Amplified, it says this. For all who are allowing themselves to be led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. All who are allowing themselves to be led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. So there's quite a bit to unpack in this verse. The first news is that if you've received Jesus, good news, you are a son or daughter of God, right? That is actually the easy part. We pray the prayer, we mean it, boom, now we're going to go to heaven, okay? That's really easy. The rest of the verse, though, is saying, hey, listen, if you're a son of God, you need to allow yourself to be led by the Spirit of God. You have to allow yourself or choose to be led by the Spirit of God. So what is he telling us? You can allow yourself to be led by the Spirit of God, or you can make a choice to not be led by the Spirit of God. So just being saved or knowing Jesus does not mean that your life is going to work out. It doesn't mean that you'll be happy. It really means nothing except that when you die, you will go to heaven, which that is actually really good, right? (laughs) Down the road, we are going to be grateful for that choice. But it's not just an automatic, easy life. However, if you will allow yourself to be led by the Spirit of God, then it can be. So I'm not telling you that it's impossible or out of reach. It's actually easy. I just want to highlight the fact it's not automatic. Receiving Jesus does not solve all your problems overnight, right? We all know that because we did it, and then we woke up the next day with some of the same problems in our life, right? So we know that this is true. But if we allow ourselves to be led by the Spirit of God, then we will enjoy life as sons and daughters of God. So that's the thing. If you don't, you know, follow the Spirit of God or don't make the choice to be led by the Spirit of God, you're still going to be saved, so you don't need to worry. But you won't live life as a son and a daughter, right? Which that's really what Jesus died to do. I'm going to talk about this a little bit more later, but I love that we see in the Lord's Prayer, Jesus says, um, your kingdom come, your will be done 
on earth as it is in heaven. So what's he telling us? Hey, life with me means that you can have heaven on earth. And it's not just about when you die and for eternity. That's really important, and that is the most important thing. But I don't want you guys to be miserable until you die. That's no good. We are called to walk as sons and daughters of God. But we can only do that through being led by his spirit. So I'm going to talk a little bit more about what that means. Because, again, what is leading you is really dictating everything in your life. If you don't really like your life, you're just being led by the wrong thing. That's all. You're following the wrong thing. But we want to live actually as sons and daughters of God in this world. And that same verse, Romans 8, 14, the Passion says it a little differently. It says, the mature children of God are those who are moved by the impulses of the Holy Spirit. So what I'm talking to you guys tonight about is really just a decision of maturity. I love you guys. I love middle and high school students. I've been working with middle and high school students for a very long time. And... Uh, One of my favorite things about you guys is really the maturity that you all can display. I think you guys have a really mature way of loving people, um, of assessing things and looking at things in the world and responding with compassion. So I already think that your generation is more mature sometimes than people that have come before you. Some of that was not by choice. Some of it was just by life circumstances and the fact that we're living in a little bit of a crazy world, right? But at the same time, this is a decision of maturity. So God doesn't love you anymore if you listen to him. He loves you exactly the same. You could go out and do horrific things tomorrow, and his love for you would never change. But your life on the earth would change, and it would be a lot less pleasant. So that's what I want to highlight tonight is like, hey, let's have some maturity about us tonight and make a mature decision to live a life truly as a son and daughter of God, which is a life that's full of joy and of peace and happiness and fulfillment of dreams. And it's not too good to be true, and I don't mean to sound like Willy Wonka listing all this stuff, but I know that it's true. We see it in the word of God, and I've experienced it in my own life. But what I want to do first, real quickly here, is just give you four poor leaders. I mean poor like they don't have money. I mean poor like you know how bad you feel when someone says, wants to talk about like your poor performance on a test. You're like, do you have to say it that way? Can you just say my grade was like a little lower than you would have liked to see? Anytime somebody uses the word poor, I feel like it's extra condescending. Like just, ah, poor performance, poorly planned, right? No one wants to be told their event was poorly planned, right? That their plan was poorly executed. These things are just savagery. No one wants to hear it. So four poor leaders. These are very poor leaders, okay? Number one is your mind. Four poor leaders. Number one is your mind. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says this. Trust in and rely confidently on the Lord with all your heart. And do not rely on your own insight or understanding. In all your ways, know and acknowledge and recognize him. And he'll make your path straight and smooth, removing obstacles that block your way. So God is saying really explicitly here. Hey, You're going to want to rely on your own wisdom and your own plans and the things that you can think up in your mind for your life, but don't do it. Your mind is a poor leader, and here's why. Your mind is extremely limited. You and I are limited by what we know, and we know very little. Does anyone know everything that's going to happen tomorrow? No. None of us even know what's going to happen in five minutes, right? We only know things after they've happened. So to live life led by our mind and led by our own intellect and our own planning and our own understanding, 
we're not going to have a life of peace because we'll be constantly limited by what we don't know. I don't want to live according to what I know because there's just too much that I don't know. I literally don't know what's going to happen tomorrow or next week or next year or what my life will look like. Now, that doesn't have to be a scary thing or a crazy thing, but that's just the facts. This is what makes your mind a very poor leader. You can only learn so much. Everything that you could learn on the planet with any degree that you get or education or life experience, it is still not going to allow you to predict the future. It is still not going to allow you to know which decision is the best when you're faced with hard choices, right? It's still not going to guarantee that you'll know what to do when life gets crazy and it feels like everything is falling apart. So your mind is a poor leader. But here's the replacement for that. This verse again says, trust and rely confidently on the Lord with all of your heart. I am completely limited by my mind, but I have the Holy Spirit in me who is completely unlimited in his knowledge. He knows the past, he knows the present, and he knows the future. So he is a safe person for me to follow. My mind is not a safe leader, but the Holy Spirit is because he not only knows everything that's going to happen, he knows everything about me. He knows exactly how I'm going to respond to that thing that's really hard. He knows exactly what I do when I freak out. And he knows what makes me freak out, right? So he is a safe person to follow because he knows the future. He knows us. And he is God. He knows the plan of God for our life. So when we follow him, it's safe. The second thing that is a poor leader is your emotions. Your mind and your emotions. I know it, you guys. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says this, For we walk by faith, not by sight, living our lives in a manner consistent with our confident belief in God's promises. I picked this verse because what you see a lot of times determines your emotions, right? We're all having a good day till we get around people and we see some stuff, right? <laughs> then the emotions fire up. You're getting sad. You're getting mad. You're getting angry. You're getting your feelings hurt. You're getting happy. You're getting all the emotions. And I know you guys have been alive long enough to know that emotion, emotions are just unreliable, right? Mine are all over the place all the time, right? You can go through 75 different emotions in like two hours. It's pretty inconvenient. Emotions are inconsistent. I don't want to be led by something that's inconsistent. I don't want to be led by something that's unreliable, right? I don't want to be led by something that is constantly changing. My emotions could be right here at a 10, and anything could happen in the next five minutes that could take them down to a 1, right? Emotions are all over the place. And here's the funny thing about emotions. They're not even truthful. How many of you guys have ever left a situation and been like, you know what? I overreacted to that, right? I have like a million zillion times. <laughs> emotions aren't even truthful. They're just loud. They're just loud. That is pretty much the only thing that I can say about emotions that's, <laughs> that's worth anything. They're just loud. They're inconsistent. They're not based on truth. And they often feel as though they're out of control. I don't want to follow something in life that's out of control. I don't want to make decisions based on something that is inconsistent and not truthful. 
Here's where you're going to have to learn to separate yourself from your emotions a little bit. And here's one really valuable way that I've learned how to do that. Because I understand if you struggle with being emotional or you struggle with anxiety and depression and really intense things like that, I get it. So I'm not acting like it's just as simple as being like, oh, whatever. Because your emotions are loud, right? And a lot of times your emotions turn into something very physical. You can feel them in your body. But one thing that is important to remember we're talking about being led by the Spirit of God, is that we're made up of three parts, right? We have a body. You guys can see it. It's the part that's going to go in a casket when you die. If you're wondering, there's not going to be a casket at my funeral. I'm donating my whole body to L for science. I didn't know you could do this till a few years ago. But it really puts you into a weird frame of mind, because literally two weeks ago, I was like, there's going to be nothing to bury. So... So do I want like a small statue or anything? So I want something on the church property because I was always like, bury me on the church property. Just put me anywhere in the woods. I don't care. Just put me by church on the rock. But now I think I want, <laughs> I think I want just like something built for me, but I don't know what. Like, I don't know if it's like a, I've been considering like a playground. It could be, I'm at the playground, but I'm not because my body is not even going to be there. There's going to be nothing buried, but just like, just a little something. And I don't know yet. If we have, maybe our facilities will expand one day. And if we have like a really cool like gym or something, that could be like my memorial gym. I don't know. I'm thinking through the options because it does get a little complex when you're like, I'm not going to have a grave and I'm not going to have a headstone. So what should I have? Maybe I should have nothing. Maybe, you know, perhaps humility is the way to go and you just have nothing. It doesn't matter anyway, you're dead. So <laughs> I, this isn't morbid. It's just like I just got thinking through the logistics of things. So that's your body. You have a body, okay? You also have a soul, which is your mind, your will, and your emotions, right? Those are very much connected to your body. They're within your body, our mind, will, and emotions. But then we also have our spirit, the Bible tells us. Our spirit is the part of us that is connected to God. When we talk about like our heart or the Bible says the inward man, we're talking about your spirit. So you're made up of three different parts, every human, spirit, soul, and body. So, here's how I learned to gain control of my emotions. I can step outside of my emotions and realize that my emotions are not me when I really recognize that I'm those three parts. If you just view yourself as like a singular being, it gets really hard to separate all that, right? Because you're like, well, this is just me. Well, no, it's not. Your mind and your emotions are separate from your spirit. So if you start to pray and connect your spirit to God, you are able to bring those emotions under control because your emotions are separate from your spirit. They're separate from the real you. You have emotions, but you're not your emotions. Does that make sense? And you've got to train yourself to think that way because when your emotions are really loud, it is so easy to feel like this is me, this is who I am, this is what's happening, when in reality, those are just emotions that you can gain control of if you'll be led by your spirit and not led by your emotions. And this is something that takes practice, but it is something that works. When I finally realized that I could step outside my emotions and say, you know what, I'm getting angry right now, and I'm going to choose to pray and make the choice to not get angry. I'm going to give this to God. I'm going to talk to him about it, and I'm going to let it go. 
that changed everything for me. It allowed me to have a good day every day. And that doesn't mean every day is perfect. And it doesn't mean that there aren't some days that are hard. But it does mean that I don't have days anymore where I'm just completely out of control emotionally the whole day. I am so grateful to not have to look back at situations that I regret handling the wrong way. And it's not that I do everything perfectly, but just the ability to bring my emotions under control has made my life so much better. So emotions are a poor leader. Third thing that's a poor leader is your flesh. This word is gross, but it's the word the Bible uses. So I'm using it too, but no one wants to hear the word flesh. Romans 8, 12 and 13 says this. So then, beloved ones, the flesh has no claims on us at all, and we have no further obligation to live in obedience to it. For when you live controlled by the flesh, you're about to die, period. But if the life of the Spirit puts death to the corrupt ways of the flesh, then we taste his abundant life. So your flesh is just another gross word for your body, right? We could say your body. We could say your flesh. Uh, Sometimes people would say like the carnal man or the natural man. I don't know. There's a lot of ways to say it. But your body. Here's what Jesus said about your body. Do you want to know? He said the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. That's what I need to keep in mind about my body. My body is weak. And I'm not talking about how much you can lift or how strong you are or how fit you are. But I'm talking about your body's motivation to do the right thing. It's weak. Your body is a poor leader because it is weak. And I'm not saying something bad over you and I'm not calling you weak. But it is so important to remember that, hey, my body's weak. So whatever it wants to do is probably something that is not going to benefit my life. Right? My body loves to eat ice cream seven times a day. That's weak. That's not good for me, right? My body loves to lay on the couch and do nothing. That's weak. That's not good for me, especially if you're depressed or anxious. I would not recommend laying around all day. I've tried it, and it doesn't work. So your body is weak. Listen, your body is the part of you that will get you into trouble sexually. Your body is weak. Don't trust it to lead you, right? Your body is weak. Do you see what I'm saying? Not calling you weak, but Jesus said, your spirit is willing. Your spirit wants to do the right thing, but your flesh is weak. So don't let it lead you. And this is so important, really, when it comes just to discipline and having a relationship with God. The most key thing to knowing God is just staying consistent. You don't have to pray for hours. You don't have to read the whole Bible in two weeks like Joe Gedney. You don't have to, you know, worship for 17 hours a day. But it's just the act of consistently, consistency, right? The people that you're good friends with are the people that you talk to every day, right? Normally. Not the people you talk to twice a year, but the people that you talk to every day. God is the same way. I'll be so much closer to him if I just talk to him daily versus talking to him once a week or once every couple of months or trying it for a while and then letting it go. And it's not something that has to be hard. It's just something that has to be consistent. It's not intense. It's just consistent. And this is where your body comes in. Because what do we all like to do when the alarm goes off? Snooze. Do you know what I do now? I got married, and I would be embarrassed to be the snoozer, so I get up, and I go to the other room, and I lay down on the couch instead of the bed, and then I set my little quiet alarm on my phone that no one else can hear, and I get another 10 or 15 in because I'm embarrassed to snooze, and I've never told him this, so you guys can (laughs) because I don't think you would care, 
But I don't want to be that annoying person, too, who sets their alarm at 5 a.m. and then doesn't get up. You guys know the people at camp. The people are like, I need to get up at 6.30. And then your alarm's going off at 6.30, and no one's getting up at 6.30, and you're just like, guys, we could have all slept till 7. The whole dorm is up except for the one person who said they needed to be up at 6.30, you know? I don't want to be that person at home, at camp, or anywhere. So I'm getting out of bed when the alarm goes off. But I gotta, I just go to the couch now and I cozy up for a couple minutes. Until then, I really get up and I start reading and stuff. So that's your flesh, though, right? The flesh is weak. After, after I do that, I'm literally always in the shower like, that extra 10 minutes of sleep literally did nothing for me. Like, why, why do I even do that? What, what a poor decision. See, being led by your body, it's weak. You make poor decisions. <laughs> but it's just consistency. I don't really remember at this moment how that was related to consistency, but your body is weak and that's the point. Your body or your flesh is a poor leader. The fourth and final thing I want to say tonight that is a poor leader in your life is other people. To the people pleasers in the room, just take a deep breath. This is me. It was me. I'm working on it not being me, okay? Galatians 5, 7 through 10 says this. You were running the race so well. Who has held you back from following the truth? It certainly wasn't God, for he's the one who called you to freedom. This false teaching is like a little yeast that spreads through the whole batch of dough. I'm trusting the Lord to keep you from believing false teachings. God will judge that person, whoever he is, who's been confusing you. So I'm not trying to confuse people because God is going to judge me for that. But in the beginning, it says, hey, you were running your race really well. Who held you back from following the truth? So it is really important to realize other people can hold me back from following God and from following the truth. Other people can hold me back from following the Spirit of God and being led by the Spirit of God. Now, I'm not talking about every person in your life, okay? Because we all know we need accountability. We need a church family. A lot of you have great parents and friends who are speaking into your life and your life group leaders. So I'm not saying that every person is a poor person to be led by in your life. But many of them are. And sometimes it's even people who love you. And this is nothing against them, but there's been a lot of people who love me a lot who've given me very bad advice that I did not need to follow. And they weren't trying to hurt me, but the end of the day, the only person who fully knows the plan of God for my life is God and is the Holy Spirit. So if I want to be in his plan, I need to be led by him and not other people. And listen, if you struggle with people pleasing, you will live a miserable life because typically people pleasers aren't even led by just one person. They're led by like 45. It's a tough life. Let me tell you, it's a really tough life. You're going to have to make the decision to not be led by other people and to recognize who are the people who can speak into my life whose advice I should take, who seem to hear from God, right? The people in my life that are safe to follow, they will usually confirm the things God is speaking to my heart anyway. God has already spoke to me about it, but I was feeling iffy. So he sent somebody trustworthy into my life just to confirm that and say, hey, I think you're called to do this. And inside I'm going, I thought I was called to do that too, but I like wasn't sure, you know? So it will, the Bible calls it bearing witness, or it will make sense and feel safe to you when the right kind of people are leading you. You can tell when you're being led by the wrong kind of people if it's stressful, if you feel pressure, if you find yourself doing things you don't want to do, 
Or you leave situations saying, I wish I didn't act that way. I wish I didn't make that decision. Uh, I wish I hadn't behaved that way. Because just like there are people who bring out the best in us, there are also people who bring out the worst in us, me included. I had to make a mature decision when I got a little older in life to say, you know what? I love this person so much. I care about them so much. This is like a long-term friendship here. But I don't like the way I act when I'm around that person. I don't. I'm not kind. I'm gossipy. I'm talking about other people. And there was even a situation where I had tried to talk to that person and say, like, hey, I feel like, you know, when we hang out, sometimes we're just, we're just talking about other people. And that's, you know, that's no good. And I just, I don't want to be that way. And I tried to give that person the opportunity to make that change with me. And, you know, they didn't, either didn't want to or didn't make that change at that time. That's not really my business. That's on them. Uh, But even still, at the end of the day, it was just a good situation for me to separate from. And that situation in different forms has happened time and time again. It's not that getting around certain people always makes me feel mean, but who are the people that inspire me to pursue God's plan for my life, right? Those are the people that I want around me. Who are the people that are encouraging me in what I'm called to do? Who are the people that love me enough to let me know when I start talking bad about somebody, right? Instead of talking bad about that person with me, they stop me and say like, hey, you seem like you have an attitude problem here. What's going on, right? Those are the kind of people that I need in my life leading me. And I want to just say to you, everybody who loves you is not called to lead you. You cannot take life advice and life instruction from like 45 people, okay? You can't even just volunteer for everything you want to volunteer for, right? I'm that person, I don't think one of my, I don't know if one of my love languages is acts of service or not. I've been thinking deeply into this lately because when I take the quiz, it doesn't say that. However, one of the main ways I like to show up for other people is just to like physically show up and do something, right? So then I'm like, well, maybe it is. I don't know. So anyway, that really is not important. Other than to say, if you're a people pleaser, listen to, you're just going to have too many people place too many demands on you. You can't help everyone. You can love everyone, but you can't help everyone. You can't be everybody's entire support system. You can't show up at every single thing. You can't help with every single thing you're asked to help with. And maybe this is a little more down the road for you guys, but just be aware, if you're a people pleaser, people catch on to that really quickly because at the end of the day, you have a heart to help others and make them happy, but that's something that's really easily overworked and it will leave you tired and burnt out. So number four, other people are poor leaders. A lot of them, not all of them. Does that make sense on that one? Here's the last thing I want to talk about as we wrap up. It's what happens when we do live as sons and daughters of God who are led by the Holy Spirit. Because again, our, our reference text for this message says, for all who are allowing themselves to be led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. So I want to say, what happens when we do allow ourselves to be led by the Spirit of God? Yeah. We find this in Galatians 5, and 23. But the fruit produced by the Holy Spirit within you So this is the fruit that comes from being led by the Spirit of God, is divine love in all its varied expressions, joy that overflows, peace that subdues, patience that endures, kindness in action, a full life of virtue, faith that prevails, gentleness of heart, and strength of spirit. Never set the law above these qualities, for they are meant to be limitless. And here's what I'm talking about. The life 
that every single one of us want to live is found within those words, right? We all want joy. We all want peace. I really believe at the end of the day, everybody wants to love everybody. No mean person is ever happy, even if they're making that choice to be mean. When they lay their head down at night, they're not. They're not happy. So what happens when we live as sons and daughters and we're being led by the Spirit of God? We'll see those results in our life. Having joy, having peace, having faith that prevails, having kindness in action and patience that endures, gentleness of heart and strength of spirit. There is so much strength and safety in being led by the Spirit of God. We'll have peace because we know that we're safe. And isn't that one of the biggest things that can give us anxiety in life is just like not knowing what's going to happen, right? What's going to happen with our family and what's going to happen at school? What's going to happen, you know, with me? What if my anxiety doesn't get better? What if my depression doesn't get better? What if I always feel like this? We can have peace knowing that there is safety and that we're going to be okay because we're led by the Spirit of God. You can trust God completely to lead you. He is 100% safe to follow. Your body isn't, your mind isn't, your emotions are not, and other people are not. But God is the safest choice to allow him to lead you through life. And I love this. C.S. Lewis said this. God became man to turn creatures into sons, not simply to produce better men of the old kind, but to produce a new kind of man. It's not like teaching a horse to jump better and better, but like turning a horse into a winged creature. And I love this quote because it is just, I think, such a really cool word picture of what really happens when we allow ourselves to be led by God. The Bible says that if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. Something that has never existed before. So you and I were not created just to struggle through life like every other human. We were created to be entirely different creatures being led by the Spirit of God. Our lives can look totally different from people who don't know Jesus, and they should. I've been thinking about this lately. How different does my life look from someone who doesn't know Jesus? And... I think the conclusion I've come to is that it looks pretty different, but I don't think it looks different enough. If I'm really being led by the Spirit of God, and I'm a new creation, and I really believe God is as powerful as His Word says He is, then I think my life should look even more different than it does. I think my life should have miracles in it. I think I should be seeing more people saved and healed. Um, I think I shouldn't be struggling with certain things that I'm still sometimes kind of struggling with. I think that I should have more joy than I do. I think that I should have more peace than I do. I think I should pray for more people than I do. I think my life actually needs to look even more different because we weren't created in Jesus just to be better humans. We are new creatures with the power of God available to us and the ability to be led by the Holy Spirit. And when you really start to think about what that looks like every day, it's amazing. Because I'm assuming that it would look somewhat like the life of Jesus. And I don't think my life looks near enough like the life of Jesus. We see that he moved through towns and villages, preaching really powerfully, moved with compassion, and healing people and ministering to them all the time. And that wasn't because he was God. It was because he was led by the Spirit of God. And my life shouldn't look like that just because I'm a pastor. It should look like that because I'm led by the Spirit of God. I think every Christian's life is called to look that way because we're led by the Spirit of God. 
And I want to close here by just saying that God made us a new creature, not just so we could go to heaven, but so we could have heaven on earth. And I think the things that we are just really just wanting to see in our world, we'll see them if we really start to be led by the Spirit of God. Things like revival. If we want to see the world changed by the power of God, we'll have to be led by the Spirit of God. And I really believe that revival takes every single one of us, which I love. It's not about the pastors. It's not about the people that you think are so talented or the people you think are, like, super holy. It's not about people who you think are just, like, prayer warriors. No, it takes every single one of us. Revival has a role for everybody. Revival has a place for everybody. And I think revival requires everybody. The real revival that we're hungry for in our hearts, it comes by being led by the Spirit of God, not just a couple of us, but all of us. And it doesn't mean we have to be perfect, but it means we just have to be willing. We have to submit to God. And I hope that you've heard my heart tonight. I'm still growing in a lot of these areas too, so I'm, I'm not perfect by any means. Um, but I am trying and I am committed to being led by the Spirit of God because I think once that happens, we'll start to see the things um, that we want to see in our church and in our community and in our school and in our world. And I don't, I'm not trying to be like inspirational by saying that, but if Jesus did it on his own, by being led by the Spirit of God, I just think that the thousands of Christians that are in the United States and the millions that are in the world could do quite a bit more than even Jesus did. He said, these works that I do and even greater things, you will do. So if we're not doing those things, I think in a lot of ways it's just as simple as we're not being led by the Spirit of God. We're allowing ourselves to be led by other things. So I hope that you were encouraged by this tonight. I love you guys very much. This I just shared with you because it's really good food for thought for me. So we're all in this together because I needed to hear these things. And I'm going to keep reading over these verses too. And just checking myself to see, am I being led by my mind, my emotions, my flesh, other people? Because it's easy to do and it's, and it's a journey and we're all working on getting to a better place. But I do love you guys and I believe in you guys. And I want you to know that I care about you very much personally. And that our church needs you. You guys are important to our church. You're not just the kids or the youth or whatever people want to call you, but you guys play a really important role here, so I'm just happy I get to hang out with you on Wednesdays, and I love you very much. Thank you for coming. I'll pray really quick, and then we have some games we're going to play. Father, oh, <laughs> I got confused if I said games we're going to play or we're going to pray, and then I was about to be like, ah, that was an embarrassing one. Did I say it right? Games we're going to play. Alrighty. I can't blame it on Invisalign anymore. I don't even have it anymore, so now I'm just playing old tongue-tied. <laughs> Father, we're really grateful for you. <laughs> We're grateful that we can be led by the Spirit of God. And we thank you for the help that's in your word, Father, to show us how to be led and show us what we need to be led into. And I just pray for every person in the room that you would begin to speak to them in a new way as they seek you, Father. That you would just lead them in new ways, Father. Show them how easy it is to be led by you. We thank you for the help that's available in your word and the help that we find in this family here with each other. And I thank you for your peace and your safety over every person tonight. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message. To learn more about what's happening at The Quarry, check us out on social media 